The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for being with us today. I don't know how you feel, but this is by far one of my best hours of the week that I get to uh, be part of rich and practical conversations that really teach people about the broadness of life. In order to be an intentional spirit, it requires us to not live in a box, to expand our thinking realities much more than the norm, and that we are people that really think for ourselves and that we have experiences that create, ultimately, I would say it creates somewhat of a a mystical life. I think ultimately, when we're all living intentionally, we become a mystic in some way or another. And part of my goal is to offer incredible insights by authors and teachers that through life experience and through their own intentions of what they have discovered, help all of us uh, have a deeper awareness that there's so much more to life than just an everyday reality. And that's none other than our guest today. I have with us Catherine Weisenberg and Jocelyn Montanero. They are the authors of the book Beyond Ever After, a heart-to-heart journey through death and the afterlife. I love talking about the afterlife. (laughs) I am so glad that you are with us today. Thank you, Catherine and Jocelyn, for being with us. Well, thank Thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh, it's so such a such a pleasure um, to be with you and to to share this important conversation. I think that there's two conversations that we all want to have more of, and that's how to be fully alive while we're living. I think that's very important. Um, you know, when people talk about near death experiences, I'm an advocate for near life experiences. We need to be <laughs> more alive all the time. And for the conversation that you share and what you're dedicating your lives to, and that is realizing that death doesn't mean an ending. Uh, And as a matter of fact, that's when many love stories can begin. So for our listening audience, uh, Cher, um, how did you get into this conversation? What's the story behind the story? Catherine, do you want to share or shall I share? Uh, you can share how we uh, got into the story that's in the book. Although I've been facilitating these conversations with God, deceased people and people in comas for about 30 years, and Jocelyn can uh, tell you how she and I uh, came to have this experience that we talk about in the book together. Beautiful. When my husband was um, When my husband was in a coma and had been for almost a month, my sister, who had had um, experiences with Catherine doing with her work, had been encouraging me to um, do a writing, as they're called, um, and uh, to see if there was some information I could get from, you know, another source about what I should do because I, I didn't think my husband was going to go into surgery and then not wake up a month later. So, um, but I resisted. I'm, you know, a lawyer and I'm very skeptical. And I knew that my sister thought Catherine had a gift that she could talk to people who were dead or in a coma, but I didn't really believe it. Um, I actually thought Catherine was probably a charlatan and I really didn't think that highly of her because um, I just, you know, I didn't, even though I didn't really know her. But after a month, I was desperate. And um, I thought, you know, what do I've got to lose? And so um, we um, set up a time to talk on the phone, and I hear her writing furiously. And then she says, I hear a man's voice, and I go, who is it? And he goes, it's me, Kevin. And he'd been in a coma for a month, and that's 
we started talking like he was right in front of me, and um, that's how this whole experience began. Mm. Oh, wow, that that's that's powerful. And uh, the interesting thing is, I mean, it's all uh, very interesting. Is during that phone conversation, Kevin, her husband, who had been in this coma. Um, actually roused himself to consciousness. So that was like the big miracle of a series it, of it, miracles. It, it was. And, and, and going into it, I, I meant to share one more thing is, you know, I was still skeptical when he said it's, it's me because my, you know, he shared a few things that um, were kind of common knowledge, like my kids' names and things like that. And so I did like a test. I said, what's the last thing you remember? And he remembered, he shared something that um, only I and two other people knew about, which was as he was getting wheeled into the surgery, he reached up and took the surgeon's hand and said, thank you for doing this, Linda. And after the surgery, the surgeon came out um, to tell me how the procedure went. And she said, you know, before I get into all the details, I got to tell you, your husband's such a nice guy. As we're wheeling him in, he reaches up and grabs my hand and says, thank you for doing this, Linda. And the only people that heard that were me and my two kids. And when he said that, I knew I was talking to Kevin and mm-hmm. that and that Catherine really had this gift and that she really could communicate with God and people who were dead and in comas. As peculiar as that might sound. <laughs> Did that sound peculiar? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, my my wife actually does spirit writing when someone's mm. gone to the other side. Um, uh, my wife or family or friends or people that ask um, will do a spirit writing and have them write through her and give messages. And I've seen it time and time again. And it's absolutely, not only is it profound, yet it, it carries such a level of healing you know, for the people that are remaining. And for many years, I saw her do it for different friends. And I thought, well, that's, that's pretty impressive. But we had a, um, a woman that she um, had become our, our, our house cleaner. And, and so we didn't really know her. And her young son uh, was at some campus party, and they had a bonfire. And somebody threw a can into the bonfire, so he was going to go and pick it up, and it blew up. And mm-hmm. it literally, you know, burnt him um, to death. And to see her and life go out of her body and her have that, you know, that typical shade of gray that people have when they've had sudden loss, um, for him to write about his truck and his dad and, you know, all these things, it, it put life in, back into her body that... Um, it was really, you know, awesome. You know, and that's to, what to I love about the work that, that I do is that people always, um, if it's the deceased person, they always bring forward these so unique, um, non-generic ways of referring to their loved ones where they know, like in Jocelyn's case and in your wife's case, they know that the person... Um, you know, couldn't know these sorts of things. And in hundreds of these things, I'm always just humbled by that love that reaches across, you know, that that uh, her son, your house cleaner's son, was ever present. So it's more a gift for me when I do the um, the work that I do than, you know, and I'm sure that's true of your wife as well. Well, it, you know, it, it is, I mean, that, that's something that I, I love about unity or new thought teachings is that, you know, um, unity accepts people, you know, um, from all walks of life. But that to me was some of the best medicine at 19 that unity gave me was the believing in, in an infinite life and that it is ongoing, and I don't know why often uh, traditional concepts, which are not ours, 
uh, are always promoting that this is the only time around and that's it. And, you know, uh, that people after they leave, they go and rest in peace. I mean, why would anybody want to go and rest in peace? There's so much to be done. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't mean that like a type A person. I just simply mean if you've you've been through this incarnation and then you go to another dimension, I would think you would want to be involved or, you know, be in charge of something because your life is ongoing that you wouldn't just go somewhere and be sleeping. And um, so I love, um, you know, these conversations because it we need to think for ourselves and think things through. And um, and it's like, uh, you know, like I often say, it's like some people will say, oh, we're friends. And I think I don't really know that person because they've liked something on Facebook. Do you know what I mean? And it's like right. we have people that have uh, already passed. And yet it's up to us to have a relationship with them. And that's one of the things that um, was my intentions with this book is for people, you know, the loss of someone you love is some oftentimes the most intimate, um, tender uh, experience of our human lives for many of us. And this idea that they are not gone and they come and they send us messages. Uh, If you smell grandma's perfume and you think, oh, I'm crazy, that's, you know, that can't be grandma. Or all the ways in which our loved ones send us signs. Um, And I hope that, like, you're having your show, we open up that dialogue and make those topics open for conversation because that's been the response to the book is people are saying, oh, this is like when I was a child and my mother died and I've never spoken. In many times people have never spoken of their direct experiences of spirit, of loved ones. So I I agree with you completely, Temple. It should be part of our our common uh, conversation and not a taboo subject. And unity, for sure, I'm a unity prayer chaplain, um, does, you know, welcome and embrace those, all those aspects. So, And it ought to be something that we envision one day in, a, in public school systems, is that we're actually teaching skills instead of memorizing books uh, of material that we hardly use, you know, once we, once we graduate. Um, but more of the teaching of the soul and the, and the communication. Um, I um, had a unity minister when I was uh, 20. She was 30. We went on to be dear friends. She died when she was 40 and I was 30. And it was by far one of the most immense losses of my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I um, had already lost all my great-grandparents, my grandparents, uh, cousin drowning, a um, lot of death already. So it wasn't like just a highlight. It wasn't like I was facing death for the first time as a 30-year-old. I had faced it many, many times. This was unique because I, I couldn't stop grieving. You know, I just couldn't stop and let it go. And, um, and I would see different people through the years and I would go, I don't understand. I just, I just still weep like it was the other day. And I, I do believe life's ongoing and my grandfather's communicate with me and I've had these experiences, but this is deep short of the story. Cause I really want to keep talking about your book and you know, all of that. But short of the story is that life would go on. And when I really owned um, how much uh, she had meant to me and the grief, Mm -hmm. then she started communicating with me on my phone. (laughs) And I, and so I started, uh, she was born January the 11th, one, one, one. And so I would get these messages. I had a pager. And for those of you that don't don't know what a pager is, I'm happy for you because that means you're you know very young. Um, but a but a pager is something used to communicate with and send phone numbers. Well, I was awakened in the middle of the night with one 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 on it, and wow. uh, so this is how it kind of started. And then more and more communication started, and her name was Beverly. And so I would get these beeps, and then the store beside my window said Beverly's Grand Opening. 
And so she started started communicating with me. And then I connected with a person like you, Catherine, that, you know, could do all this work. And um, she even knew what I had put on my vision board. Right. Right? Because I had done a vision board. Not an unusual. Not an unusual. And and she said, oh, by the way, and what you, the car you put on your vision board, you're going to have it one day. It won't be the same color, but just be, just be chilled about it or whatever, you know, and go to see this aunt in North Carolina. You need to do that. And I did. And so she appears uh, often and our relationship has become very deep and rich. And she guides me a lot in my ministry and it's wow. just profound. So, um, you know, I'm a strong advocate for your work, what you're doing. And um, I think pe- people hesitate because, you know, in, in in the tradition of people being herded and thinking small, which means they're, they're easily susceptible to fear, lack and scarcity. It's hard for them to breathe in this idea that there's so much going on than just your everyday you know, I go to work, I come home and I have children and this is my life and then it's over and then I rest in peace. <laughs> so, And that's what I think the power of our own direct experience is, is, I mean, even when on this gift emerged, I was like, okay, I must be losing my mind. This can't be real. But I knew I couldn't get total strangers to collude with me in my insanity. And for all of us, um, I think it, our loved ones reach out in the ways they reach out. And for us, you know, it's my belief that we all are capable of what I'm able to do for whatever reason. But to feel that connection with our loved ones and when we feel like, oh, that they're here or I sense them, we don't push that away. We remain open to it and trust our own truth about what that is because – I think that just invites them to come and visit more and us to activate that relationship, maybe not in the dramatic ways you did um, with um, your friend and mentor, but, um, you know, so that fear is definitely uh, an obstacle to that in life so, through love. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, what... What is the story with Kevin? What happened after that? Is Kevin still here on this dimension? No, he um, is not. He died uh, a little over six years ago. Um, But he is still the same, same sense of humor. Um, uh, He um, and he doesn't. um, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to reveal too much because we want people to read the book because it's really great. But um, <laughs> but he doesn't call it, um, God says it's not an afterlife, it's new life. And he's very much enjoying his new life. And um, because to say afterlife puts the emphasis that this existence we have here today is the one that really counts um, and not, you know, what waits after. Um, so yes, he, he's not here, or no, he's not here, but um, he's still very much here with me. And I still talk to him all, you know, the time we just had a grandchild together, or I had a grandchild, and um, it's it's funny that the, the, the baby's picture looked exactly like the one-day-old picture of him. And um, if you read the book, there's um, a divine synchronicity in there that has to do with a squirrel, and uh, whenever I'm having, like, I'm, I'm troubled or I'm looking for insight, the squirrels always appear. And, in fact, this morning my dog started to bark, and I looked up, and there was a squirrel on the telephone line right outside my room. And the funny thing about that is I just bought a landline yesterday just so I could make this phone call. And I was thinking, I got up and I thought, guy, today's the phone the radio interview, I was excited to start sharing the story, and I was, I started to talk to Kevin, and I said, it's today, honey, you know, our first radio interview, and my dog starts barking, and I look up, and there's the squirrel on the telephone line, just looking at me, you know, like, you know, he was just, it's, he's always with me, and he shows up in all kinds of different ways, but 
the squirrel is definitely a common theme with us. Oh, I love that. And for those of you that are, are tuning in, you can go to the website beyondeverafter.com, beyondeverafter.com, which is also the lead title of the book. And you can get the book uh, from Amazon. And wow, the kind of book that you want to share with your friends and your family and people, because everybody that you know in community has had some type of loss or another. Um, so you, you, really progressed uh, quite significantly uh, to go from who is this weird person named Catherine to I'm going to do a book with her. <laughs> so how, you know, it, what about the two of you in your journey? I mean, how, how did that, I mean, that's a big jump, right? <laughs> well, you know what, what, and I, Catherine, I'll, I'll talk and you just jump in or we can do vice versa. But, um, you know, what happened was we, we continued the writings and we started to become friends. And we're really similar in a lot of ways, but really <laughs> different in a lot of ways. Um, but we both, and I won't go into those details, but um, we became friends. And I started to decide that I wasn't going to make New Year's resolutions. I was just going to set intentions for myself. I mean, I was trying to you know, expand myself. So I had this, my first year was I was going to have a year of spiritual growth and development. And I know which, that sounds, which, which, which for I'm me really is censoring myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I like, you know, I don't speak spiritual. I still don't speak spiritual. <laughs> Catherine starts talking and she loses me three words in, you know, I'm just a really literal direct person. That's not my, my thing. Um, but we went to, a. uh, a conference, a Mary Morrissey conference, who's a minister. I don't know if you know who she is. And, Morrissey, and it was yes, about dream builders and, yes. and what are you going to do with your life and what do you really want to do? And and Catherine had approached me and said, you know, I would like to, um, God's telling me it's time for me to kind of get my work out there. And he said, this is the story to do it. And I said, go ahead. I'll sign a waiver. You can, you know, go ahead, right, go ahead right away. And and she said, well, why don't you help me? And I said, no, because he hadn't been gone that long, and I just I couldn't do it. But after this Mary Morrissey conference, we were driving home, we went together. And I said, you know, if you want to write the book still, I'll, I'll do it. And she said, great. So I uh, quit my job. And told, I told myself, I'm, I, I quit my job and said, I'm, I'm going to quit my job for a month or take a leave of absence, and I'm going to write a book in a month. And I always set these kind of, I don't know, probably unrealistic goals. But I, in my mind, I said, I'm going to write this book in a month. And so we had the writings were recorded. And so this whole process of writing the book was really the way I grieved because I couldn't face it before. You know, I like denial and compartmentalization. I don't like to think about things that are upsetting. I don't like to dig deep. I'm really superficial. I mean, it's all true. Ask Catherine. And um, <laughs> it's true. I am. And mm -hmm. so, um, but in the process of just thinking about do, writing this book and remembering everything I felt and everything that happened and rereading all the writings and listening to them and it was just, it, 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 it expanded me. And um, in a way that it wouldn't have happened otherwise. And I am still amazed that I kind of got singled out to have this experience and share this because while Kevin was phenomenal, I'm not. I mean, he's, he's, he was, is, and was just the kind of human being that is a rarity. You know, he really was. And um, I wanted to kind of honor him with this. And he had always wanted to take a missions trip. And then he got sick. He had brain cancer, and he couldn't do it. And I view this of getting this message out here as his missions trip you know, because he couldn't do it when he was alive. And so I feel like this is doing it for him now. But 
but I still don't speak spiritual very well. I'm still really superficial. <laughs> I'm working on it. I really am. But it's it, it's a struggle for me. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. there you have it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love the laughter. You can tell that through the through this time, you've, the two of you have developed quite a beautiful friendship. You know, we have. You know, we ha- we, we complement each other very well. We we do and, and challenge you know, each other. We we do, and you know, it's so funny because writing this book, we laughed so hard so many times we were just rolling around the floor. And then we were editing it, which is such an arduous process. We were just like glaring at each other. But through the whole experience, we all we 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 all had love, and we all really felt like we were doing something important, and and that it was important while doing it to be joyful about it and not you know get stuck in the drudgery of the publishing process. But we're both really, at least I can just speak for us, are thrilled with the finished product and everybody who's read it whether they're a believer or they're not they're all really touched by it and it all it opens a conversation with other people with them that they probably wouldn't have had otherwise because it raises some questions that most people don't or people at least like me don't normally think about yeah it's such a necessary and you have to understand Oh, you have to understand also, Jocelyn, at the time that I entered her and Kevin's life. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in and for being with us. What a conversation. We're talking about Beyond Ever After, a heart-to-heart journey through death and the afterlife. We'll be right back. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome again and thank all of you for uh, being here with us as intentional spirits. And I'm talking with Catherine Weisenberg and Jocelyn Montanero. And we are talking about a true story, but we're talking about the deepening of how we can be aware that there is a beyond ever after, which is the name of their book. You can purchase it on Amazon beyond ever after a heart to heart journey through death and the afterlife. And so, um, Jocelyn, well, you, <laughs> as you were saying in our first uh, half of the show, to go from an attorney to, okay, let me just talk about how people can talk to people that are no longer here. <laughs> um, how would you say that, um, what is your takeaway from all of this? Well, you know, I get asked that question a lot, and I'm glad people do because um, it's, an important, it's important. And the takeaway for me, well, two things. One, everything that anyone has ever, or at least that my husband talked to me about, about what he believed um, the next, the next life for him would look like. He was a very spiritual man. Um, It's, it's not only is that all real, but it's so much more than he can possibly convey and he and that the expansiveness of God's love is more than anybody can comprehend. And the what I love about that is, you know, my friends that are fundamentalist Christians um, or other people who think that you have to prescribe to a certain religious ideology to go to to have an afterlife or a new life. I know that's not true. God's love is so expansive. Everybody gets to go. Everybody. And um, knowing that, um, I don't worry about much of anything. I don't sweat the small stuff, and I often don't sweat the big stuff because I know ultimately everything is okay. I'm okay. You're okay. My kids are okay, even with all the bumps in the road that they get. It's all okay. And that the love that is in this universe for all of us, 
is for all of us. And it doesn't matter what you believe in because we all get to go. And I love that because there are times that I do things and I think, oh, my God, why did I do that? And then I get feel guilty and I think, oh, no, you know. And then I think, why am I feeling guilty? You know, I'm, I'm a human being. I make human mistakes. God still loves me or whatever the source is. And when I'm, this life is over, I'm still going to get to the next one. And it just gives me an approach to things that I think, for me, um, has really directed my life in a way that it wouldn't have gone otherwise. And you have to to place it in context. When I met Jocelyn, she was so angry with God because she said, God is killing Kevin. And I oh, think, I, you God, know what? God. I still feel like that sometimes. I still get pissed <laughs> off at God. I walk around and I'm like, really? Him? You know, why don't you take some dog-kicking, wife-beating, you-know-what? Why do you take Kevin? I still have those thoughts. I still get pissed off, and then I think, oh, well, you know, he loves me anyway. So So the transformative quality of someone who was so angry, A, didn't believe in God, and then was just wanting to fist-fight God, to be this transformed person who can make a statement like she just said about the ever-loving presence of God and the certainty in an afterlife, a new life, as God has so beautifully described it, um, is, like, stunning because um, that's what we all want. We all want that God, that connection with spirit, that will be our life preserver and buoy us through all life's challenges, which, unfortunately, we all have. No one's exempt. So um, it is really, uh, as someone who didn't know Jocelyn and came in in the, uh, in the I would say, the anger phase, um, <laughs> and to see this transformation of her in spirit and faith, Kevin was a Christian, and um, she'd say, well, he carried his Bible with him every day. And I said, well, he's a fundamentalist Christian. She said, oh, no, 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 no. He, he just believed in God. And I said, not many people are carrying their Bible with them every day when they go places. So anyway. Right. right. We um, would tend to think that that's a fundamentalist for sure. Yeah. So. Well, so I would imagine that in the other dimension, um, that he has learned a lot himself. Uh, many of my relatives were traditional, deep-rooted Southern Baptists, um, which meant that they were in a club of advantage over everybody else on the planet. Right. And um, I've had a grandmother communicate with me and apologize because I have been new thought and metaphysical all my life. And she said, you know, you were really on to something, and I just want you to know I apologize. (laughs) What you were actually teaching was true. I went, okay, fine, thank you. Um, And I I guess... You know, I have uh, have one more quick comment about this, about what it did for me, which I think is one thing that um, we haven't touched on a lot, was when my mother was dying, which was just two months ago, and she died in the exact same hospice facility in the same month that my husband was there six years ago. And just like with my husband, I stayed with her around the clock um, because I had zero concern about what awaited her, even though she didn't believe. And she she wanted to believe but didn't. She just said, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And I said, you know, Mom, it doesn't matter. It does not matter if you believe or if you don't believe because you get to go. And all I, my job right now with you is just to make sure you're not hurting until you get there, that you have a relatively pain-free death. But what's happening to you next, I have zero concerns. And her whole death, it wasn't, I wasn't a super traumatizing event because she was sick, she was 91, and I knew that she was going to be fine. And I just kept telling her, I said, Mom, when you get up there and you're looking at me, I'm going to look up and go, I told you so. Mm-hmm. I told you so. And so mm-hmm. I, it, when I now have people who are sick or who are, you know, older, 
or they're dying, I'm not at all worried or concerned about what's happening. And feeling comfortable with death is something we as a society are not. And having this experience has made me completely comfortable with that process because I know with certainty that there is something even better for them on the other side. And we've had so many readers tell us um, this is how, this validates what I thought about death. It's um, quite amazing how, you know, it is the number one fear, uh, death and then public speaking. And I was a college public (laughs) speaking teacher, so I can assure you that, and I've sat in so many deathbeds, by so many deathbeds and facilitated so many conversations for people um and that that we have that knowledge in us we've just forgotten it somehow and and um you know death is if you've sat with someone who's died or you've had the um that experience you know it's sacred and holy space that you are terrified of them dying but at some point there's this other spirit that just takes over the spirit of eternal love that just wraps its arms around the whole situation, even with the grief and the sadness and the shock. And, you know, we're in Montecito, so we, um, uh, we're we in Santa Barbara, and Montecito uh, near us suffered traumatic uh, mudslides, fire and mudslides, and we lost 23 people um, horrendously to a mudslide. And so our community has also been grieving and handling that loss. And um, and what happens is love just, love is in our individual loving relationships and in our community ones and in our uh, whatever our uh, faith-based communities might be. It wraps its arms around us and somehow lets us survive the unsurvivable. Jocelyn transformed to knowing the truth um, in her experiences with God speaking directly to her about her grief and about how loss works. And then Kevin also playing such a vital role because Kevin was her God. So he always wanted her to believe, and he led her to that that transform, transformative experience that God, this universal love, our souls are so much larger than what is happening in our daily lives. And those souls can inform us to live fuller, more enriching daily existence. I think you at the onset, Temple said, living intentionally mystical living and it's just love living it's just living with love and not fear as our director that's for sure and uh, Catherine I was in Montecito right after that happened very dear friends of mine lived there in Santa Barbara and Montecito so um, that was a big wow uh, for sure Um, In your experience and all the number of readings that you've done for people, is there a particular story or two, aside from Kevin, that really stand out, like somebody was at the end of the rope and and the the message came through and it's like, I do want to live, life is for the living? That's one thing that um, to me is um, unfortunate is how so many people don't continue living and thriving because they are mourning because they feel that it's over and it's done and all of that. And, um, do you have some stories that, a couple of them that really check in? Yeah. You know, um, well, one is, um, you know, the, the, the situations that surround people who are, um, how people die, you know, um, and, Quite frequently, um, I'm someone who gets connected with people after the person's died, um, and and also oftentimes before. And um, 
I'm I'm reminded of a person whose child, um, er, a young a young person. I don't really know the the age of this person because I usually have no information with the people I work by referral only. Whose uh, child committed suicide, which is a devastating, devastating, horrible thing, and for parents, and I've worked with a lot of parents to know their child is okay. Um, still there and giving them direct cues. Um, one of my clients' husband, uh, I mean son, says, you know, Mom, I'm that star. And it's a star she identified with. But also people going through things here in their present life saying, um, uh, you know, I have hundreds of stories. I'm reminded of one of my most beautiful ones, although they're all beautiful, where um, a child, I was called to the deathbed of a child who was passing. And um, at the time, I, I said, you know, I, 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 I knew I could do uh, people who were dead, but I got this call and it said, can you please come? And uh, my daughter was very young and I was like, okay, I threw her in the back of the Volvo in the, in the car seat and I remember getting off the freeway and being stopped at the light and just saying, oh, my God, can you, you know, I know I, I'm, I'm trusting God sending me this place, but I don't know if I could do live people, you know. And I arrived at this house um, with my child in tow, who was about six months old at the time, and I entered, and it never occurred to me what scene I would be entering. And as a new mom uh, and my only child, I never even processed what's, what am I going to walk into. And what I walked into was not some medical situation. The child was on hospice and just resting gently on the couch as if asleep. And in that writing and in that connection, this child poured out her love to her parents, and also even made direct references to things that only the mother had done, would know and the father would know, and even their conversations that morning. And, um, you know, the parents were crying, which is, you know, of course, they're losing their child. People cry all the time. But then after the writing, they explain all these things, and... It is not unusual on those situations where I am, I do come, that the person passes quickly. And a few days later, and the and the child had referenced her mother's favorite flowers of all the flowers. She had referenced these particular flowers. And anyway, a couple days later, uh, my husband and I were back in the Volvo with the daughter driving home from shopping. And all of a sudden, our car filled up with the the smell of flowers, and I said, oh, I bet that child passed, and indeed she had. And wow. when um, I got ready to leave this family, the husband said to me, you know, can I pay you something? And I'd been there like two hours. I had nursed my daughter and did this simultaneously. <laughs> I mean, God really stretched <laughs> me, but it all worked out. And I said, oh, you know, no, 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 not at all. And he said, you know, this is priceless. And I've seen these this couple, um, you know, uh, over the years just out somewhere, and they just, you know, this it's that ability to handle the loss and um, to know their child's not gone, like the the mom whose um, child committed suicide, to hear they're still the same and you know, uh, their same sense of humor, and that their mission, as you said, their work continues, what they are able to do and be and how they're able to help in sometimes far more powerful and loving ways than this life. Like Kevin, tremendous man, but this book is going out and touching lives in a way um, far vaster than Kevin the man in his individual interactions in his life could have had the reach or the um, ability to connect with. So I don't know if that answers it. 
Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, as you're saying with the kind of messages that you're talking about, there's central messages throughout the book beyond ever after that people can relate to or have an awakening or, you know, I love that you call it a heart to heart journey because I mean, I ultimately that's the key is how do we live and coexist in this life and at the same time, keep our heart open uh, because that's where the, the magic and the mysticism really exists is not closing our heart because of loss, but opening it in a more expansive way and allowing ourselves to love again. And, those kind of things. Yeah, I love what you've done. This is <clears throat> immensely uh, powerful. And, and um, you know, I think of like Eva Cassidy um, that became famous um, way after, you know, she had died uh, as a musician. And now she's like famous everywhere. <laughs> and here's Kevin, you know, doing this profound work and helping people all over the world uh, cope with grief with loss. I mean, that's, that's an amazing work. And in, and in the writings and six of the actual writings are in our book, he is so concerned. His, his whole um, focus is getting Jocelyn to not be mad at God and reassuring her that he's ready to go. He's, he loves her and sharing with her. Another part is he shares with her the details of how he loves her in ways that she says she didn't know, even in how many years of marriage, Jocelyn, 25. 25. Yeah. And, and to know that and to have that opportunity, but it's the end of his life. He's in a coma. And for whatever reason, God puts us together and he is able to say all those things to her. And we all hear stories about people who hang on for somebody to arrive at their deathbed or whatever. Kevin had the opportunity to say those things. And one of the, the takeaways and uh, points of the book is, and I, uh, we both, we, it's a four-part narrative. God, Kevin, Jocelyn, and I are all um, in authorship here. And is tell people now, don't wait till the end of your life to share how much you love. We all know that. But... Um, that that gratitude and love that he expresses. And we can do that with anyone in our life at any moment. And that's that open heart that you refer to, Temple, too. That's the, the spirit, the God that connects us all is this, this infinite loving source that we are embodied with and part of. Absolutely. In the... It, in the- one of the first writings Kevin said to me, and I think about this all the time, he said, death is not a failure. And he knew for me that him dying felt like a failure, like a loss, like something had gone wrong, you know, that it wasn't just how the universe goes. It felt like a huge failure. And he reiterated that death is not a failure and, and, and don't blame God. You know, and he said to me that he wishes when he was alive, he had done a better job conveying to me about what he knew was true and right. Because he had, because since the, and you know, I didn't want to listen. It was his thing, not mine. Um, <laughs> but of course, when he's, Dad, I'm listening intently, <laughs> you know. All ears. But, um, but that's, that, I think everyone does think death as a failure. And um, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there because I think about that all the time with this because it's, um, you know, what you were talking about. The, anyway. What a journey, huh? Yeah. Yep. A heart-to-heart journey. Yeah. And we can do those heart-to-heart journeys every day, you know. Um, and uh, life is sometimes a little complicated and we lose sight of that. But I'm so thankful for the ways in which reminders come to me to be present, to open my heart, to connect through my heart. Um, you know, the world would be a different place if we 
if we were able to do that with more grace and ease, I think. You know, Catherine was telling me um, when someone she had met at um, an IANS conference, the uh, near-death group, um, had read the book and the next day had had an interaction with a coworker that was going to gear up to be really unpleasant. And she said, you know, I approached it with from my heart, not from my head. I approached it from my heart to be heart-to-heart with this person, not head-to-head, and, and that it, everything went so much better than she was anticipating because she approached it heart-based, which she got from the book. And so like Catherine is saying, if, if people did that collectively um, and that then the, this book helped with that i would i would just i would be thrilled and i know kevin would be thrilled well i i believe that's already happening it seems pretty evident to me that that is a given you know it's already happening within this hour that many people are listening and having a aha a healing uh, a connection. I mean, even those of us that for our entire lives have believed in um, th- this is not the the one time and all of that. I don't know a time that I've been involved in one of these conversations that it's not um, so uplifting. Um, one of my dearest friends, uh, her husband died and uh, she's a very avid reader and very open, but you know, uh, we talked about this and a piece of lost jewelry showed up as you're saying a squirrel (laughs) appears, you know, I mean, when you're the the key for everyone listening, if you are skeptical, you know, take the, take the value from Jocelyn. Are you skeptical because it's what you really believe? Are you afraid to think for yourself? Because if you let yourself think for yourself, then you will find other answers. I want to thank everyone for listening today. What what a pleasure it has been to have you, Catherine and Jocelyn. I applaud your work beyond every after. Go to the uh, website. Join me at templehaze.com or firstunity.org. Love to have all of you intentional spirits connecting with us. And we are so grateful to have you part of our community. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on The Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.